come apace, Audrey. I will fetch up your goats, Audrey. And how, Audrey? Am I the man yet? Doth my simple feature content you? Your features? Lord Laurentus, what features? I am here with thee and thy goats, as the most capricious poet, Honest Ovid, was among the Goths. Oh, knowledge ill-inhabited, worse than Jove in a thatched house. Ah, when a man's verses cannot be understood, nor a man's good wit seconded, with the forward child understanding, strikes a man more dead than a great reckoning in a little room. Truly, I would the gods had made thee poetical. I do not know what poetical is. Is it honest in deed and word? Is it a true thing? No, truly, for the truest poetry is the most feigning, and lovers are given to poetry, and what they swear in poetry may be said as lovers, they do feign. Do you wish then that the gods had made me poetical? I do, truly, for thou swearest to me thou art honest. Now, if thou wert a poet, I might have some hope thou didst feign. Would you not have me honest? No, truly, unless thou wert hard favored. For honesty coupled to beauty is to have a honey, a sauce to sugar, a material fool. Well, I am not fair, and therefore I pray the gods make me honest. Truly, and to cast away honesty upon a foul slut were to put good meat into an unclean dish. I am not a slut, though I... Thank the gods, I am foul. Well, praise be the gods for thy foulness. Sluttishness may come hereafter. But be as it may, I will marry thee. And to that end, I have been with Sir Oliver Martext, the vicar of the next village, who hath promised to meet me in this place of the forest and to couple us. I would fain see this meeting. A man may. If he were of a fearful heart, stagger in this attempt. For here we have no temple but the wood, no assembly but horned beasts. But what, though? Courage! As horns are odious, they are necessary. It is said, many a man knows no end of his goods. Right, many a man has good horns and knows no end of them. Well, that is the dowry of his wife. Tis none of his own getting. Horns? Even so. Poor men alone? No, 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 no. The noblest deer hath them as huge as the rascal. Is the single man therefore blessed? No. As a walled town is more worthier than a village, so is the forehead of a married man more honorable than the bare brow of a bachelor. And by how much defense is better than no skill, by so much is a horn more precious than to want. Oh, here comes Sir Oliver. Sir Oliver Martext, you are well met. Will you dispatch us here under this tree, or shall we go with you to your chapel? Is there none here to give the woman? I will not take her on gift of any man. Truly she must be given, or the marriage is not lawful. Proceed, proceed, I'll give her. Good even, good master, uh, what you called. How do you do, sir? You are very well met. God, ill do for your last company. I'm very glad to see you. Even a toy in hand here, sir. Uh, nay, pray, be covered. Will you be married, Motley? 
As the ox hath his bow, sir, the horse's curb, and the falcon her bells, so man hath his desires. And as pigeons bill, so wedlock would be nibbling. And will you, being a man of your breeding, be married under a bush like a beggar? Get you to church, and have a good priest that can tell you what marriage is. This fellow will but join you together as they join Wainscot. Then one of you will prove to be a shrunk panel and, like green timber, warp warp. Oh, I'm not in the mind. But I were better to be married of him than of another. He is not like to marry me well. And not being well married, I will make a good excuse for me hereafter to leave my wife. Go thou with me and let me counsel thee. Come, sweet Audrey. We must be married, or we must live in baudry. Farewell, good Master Oliver, and not, oh, sweet Oliver, oh, brave Oliver, leave me not behind thee, but wind away, be gone. I say, I will not be wedding with thee. Tis no matter. Ne'er a fantastical knave of them all shall flout me out of my calling. Never talk to me, I will weep. Do, I prithee, but yet have the grace to consider that tears do not become a man. But have I not cause to weep? As good cause as one would desire. Therefore, weep. His very hair is of the dissembling color. Something browner than Judas's marry. His kisses are Judas's own children. If faith his hair is of a good color. An excellent color. Your chestnut was ever the only color. And his kissing is as full of sanctity as the touch of holy bread. He hath bought a pair of cast lips of Diana. A nun of winter's sisterhood kisses not more religiously. The very ice of chastity is in them. But why did he swear he would come this morning and comes not? Nay, certainly, there is no truth in him. Do you think so? Yes. I think he is not a pick-person or a horse-dealer, but for his verity and love I do think him as concave as a covered goblet or a worm-eaten nut. Not true in love? Yes, when he is in. But I think he is not in. You have heard him swear downright he was. Was is not is. Besides, the oath of a lover is no stronger than the word of a tapster. They are both the confirmer of false reckonings. He attends here in the forest on the Duke, your father. I met the Duke yesterday and had much question with him. He asked me of what parentage I was. I told him of as good as he. So he laughed and let me go. But what talk we of fathers when there is such a man as Orlando? Oh, that's a brave man. He writes brave verses, speaks brave words, swears brave oaths, and breaks them bravely. Quite traverse athwart the heart of his lover. As a puny tilter that spurs his horse, but on one side, breaks his staff like a noble goose. But all's brave that youth mounts and fully guides. Who comes here? Mistress and master, you have oft inquired after the shepherd that complained of love, who you saw sitting by me on the turf, praising the proud, disdainful shepherdess that was his mistress. Well, and what of him? If you will see a pageant truly played between the pale complexion of true love and the red glow of scorn and proud disdain, 
Go hence a little, and I shall conduct you if you will mark it. Well, come, let us remove. The sight of lovers feedeth those in love. Bring us to this sight, and you shall say I'll prove a busy actor in their play. Sweet Phoebe, do not scorn me. Do not, Phoebe, say that you love me not, but say not so in bitterness. The common executioner whose heart the accustomed sight of death makes hard falls not the axe upon the humbled neck, but first begs pardon. Will you sterner be than he that dies and lives by bloody drops? I would not be thy executioner. I fly thee, for I would not injure thee. That tells me there is murder in mine eye. Tis pretty, sure, and very probable, that eyes that are the frailest and softest things, who shut their coward gates on atomies, should be called tyrants, butchers, murderers. Now I do frown on thee with all my heart, and if mine eyes can wound, now let them kill thee. Now counterfeit to swoon, why now fall down? Or if thou canst not, oh, for shame, for shame, Lie not to say mine eyes are murderers. Now show the wound mine eye hath made in thee. Scratch thee but with a pin, and there remains some scar of it. Lean but upon a rush, the cicatrice and capable impressure thy palm some moment keeps. But now mine eyes, which I have darted at thee, hurt they not. Nor, I am sure, there is no force in eyes that can do hurt. Oh, dear Phoebe, if ever as that ever may be near. You meet in some fresh cheek the power of fancy. Then shall you know the wounds invisible that love's keen arrows make. But till that time, come not near me. And when that time comes, afflict me with thy mocks. Pity me not, as till that time I shall not pity thee. And why, I pray you? Who might be your mother that you insult, exult, and all at once over the wretched? What, though you have no beauty? As by my faith, I would see no more in you than without candle may go dark to bed. Must you therefore be proud and pitiless? Why, what means this? Why do you look on me? I see no more in you than in the ordinary of nature's cell work. Odds my little life, I think she means to tangle my eyes too. No faith, proud mistress, hope not after it. Tis not your inky brows, your black silk hair, your bugle eyeballs, nor your cheek of cream that can entail my spirits to your worship. You, foolish shepherd, wherefore do you follow her? Like foggy south, puffing with wind and rain. You are a thousand times a proper man than she a woman. Tis such fools as you that makes the world full of ill-favoured children. "'Tis not her glass, but you that flatters her, "'and out of you she sees herself more proper "'than any of her liniments can show her. "'But, mistress, know yourself. "'Down on your knees and thank heaven fasting for a good man's love. "'For I must tell you, friendly, in your ear, "'sell when you can. You are not for all markets. "'Cry the man mercy. Love him. Take his offer. "'Foul is most foul being foul to be a scoffer.' So take her to thee, shepherd, fare you well. Sweet youth, I pray thee, chide a year together. I had rather hear you chide than this man woo. 
he's fallen in love with your foulness and she'll fall in love with my anger. If it be so, as fast as she answers thee with frowning looks, I'll sort her with bitter words. Why you look you so on me? For no ill will I bear you. I pray you, do not fall in love with me, for I am falser than vows made in wine. Besides, I like you not. If you will know my house, tis at the tuft of olives here hard by. Will you go, sister? Shepherd, ply her hard. Come, sister. Shepherdess, look on him better, and be not proud. Though all the world could see, none could be so abused in sight as he. Come, to our flock. Dead shepherd, now I find thy saw of might. Whoever loved that loved not at first sight. Sweet Phoebe. What sayest thou, Silvius? Sweet Phoebe, pity me. Why, I am sorry for thee, gentle Silvius. Wherever sorrow is, relief would be. If you do sorrow at my grief in love, by giving love your sorrow and my grief were both extermined. Thou hast my love, is not that neighborly? I would have you. Why, that were covetousness. Silvius, the time was that I hated thee, and yet it is not that I bear thee love. But since that thou canst talk of love so well, thy company, which erst was irksome to me, I will endure, and I'll employ thee too. But do not look for further recompense than thine own gladness that thou art employed. So holy and so perfect is my love, and I in such a poverty of grace, that I shall think it a most plenteous crop to glean the broken ears after the man that the main harvest reaps. Loose now and then a scattered smile, and that I'll live upon. Knowest now the youth that spoke to me erewhile? Not very well, but I have met him oft, and he hath bought the cottage and the bounds that the old carlet once was master of. I think not I love him, though I ask for him. Tis but a peevish boy. Yet he talks well. But what care I for words? Yet words do well when he that speaks them pleases those that hear. It is a pretty youth. Not very pretty. But sure, he's proud, and yet his pride becomes him. He'll make a proper man. The best thing in him is his complexion. And faster than his tongue did make offense, his eye did heal it up. He is not very tall, yet for his years he's tall. His leg is but so-so, and yet tis well. There was a pretty redness in his lip. A little riper and more lusty red than that mixed in his cheek. T'was just the difference between the constant red and mingled damask. There be some women, Silvius, had they marked him in parcels as I did, would have gone near to fall in love with him. But for my part, I love him not, or hate him not. And yet I have more cause to hate him than to love him. But what had he to do to chide at me? He said mine eyes were black and my hair black. And now I am remembered scorned at me. I marvel why I answered not again. But that's all one. Omittance is no quittance. I'll write to him a very taunting letter, and thou shalt bear it. Wilt thou, Silvius? Phoebe, with all my heart. I'll write it straight. The matter's in my head and in my heart. I will be bitter with him and passing short. Go with me, Silvius.
The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as The Wild Bill Variety Show. As You Like It, Act 3, Part 2. Featuring the voice talents of Alexandra Elroy as Rosalind, Finn M.K. as Touchstone, Laura E. Richcreek as Phoebe, Olivia Steele as Celia, Matt Schimperl as Silvius, Zoe Von Embler as Audrey, Christopher Gilstrap as Jock, Keith Morrison as Sir Oliver Martext slash Hyman, and Alan Wayman as Corin. Written by William Shakespeare, adapted for audio by Landon Bell, directed by Swen Halverson, assistant director George Linfield, music by Stephen O'Brien of stephen-obrien.net, produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2017, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Patience herself would startle at this letter and play the swaggerer. Bear this barrel. Next time on The Pendant Shakespeare. Uh, be of good cheer, youth. You a man? You lack a man's heart. I do so. I confess it. They say you are a melancholy fellow. I am so. I do love it better than laughing. You have simply misused our sex in your love, Pratt. You must have your doublet and hose blacked over your head and show the world what the bird hath done to her own nest. Relationships will be distilled in As You Like It, Act 4, part of the Wild Bill Variety Show. Why thy godhead laid apart wast thou with a woman's heart? Listen or catch up anytime on desktop or mobile at PendantAudio.com. Did you ever hear such railing? <laughs>